Our scripture reading today is from John chapter 21, verses 1 to 19. And I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. And I know you just stood up, but please stand again as you are able for the reading of the gospel. (laughs) After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going to go fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, you have no fish, have you? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net to the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, He put on some clothes, for he was naked, and jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, only about a hundred yards off. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with some fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus had appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. And then Jesus said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands. Someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, he said to him, follow me. This is the word of the Lord. 
So let us go before God in prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, for you are our rock and our redeemer, and our help comes from you. Amen. Jesus is on the beach in Tiberias, also known as the Sea of Galilee, and he's there, we're told, by John just after daybreak. I have had the opportunity to go to that location a number of times, but I rem remember my first time there. Uh, someone had told me that, you know, you're going to, to have this issue with time zones and jet lag, and you're going to wake up uh, at about three in the morning. And I resisted it. I went out and I walked the city streets and I said, it's not going to happen to me. I'm going to beat this. And then about three o'clock in the morning, I was awakened and I sat in my hotel room for a while and I watched the sunrise at daybreak on the Sea of Galilee in Tiberias. And then I left the hotel room and I began to walk along the promenade. And you can go to those places where miracles took place, where Jesus uh, had entered into the lives of his disciples and had entered into the world in such a powerful way. And I thought about the miracles that had been performed at Tabga and the miracle uh, that occurred on this day when we uh, read of Jesus's last experience recorded in the Gospel of John as he calls his disciples and, and, and ministers to them yet once again. It was in this location at Tabga where Jesus had been the final time that he was there and he had fed a multitude. We're told that there were 5,000 who had gathered there and that they had come uh, seeking to hear Jesus and seeking to be healed by him because they saw the signs that he was doing for those who were sick. And Jesus sat with his disciples around him. And then he looked up and he began to ask, you know, where are we going to find enough food for all of these people? John tells us that Jesus did that and said that, but that he already knew what he was going to do. And among his disciples, they began to talk with each other. And one said that there is a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they among so many? But they brought that food to Jesus, the five loaves and the two fish. And Jesus took the loaves and he took the fish and he lifted it up and he gave thanks. And then he distributed the fish and the loaves to them. And we're told that the disciples were able to gather enough to fill 12 basketfuls, leftovers from this uh, miraculous sign that Jesus had performed in the midst of the people. But Jesus was doing something important. He was concerned about the actual physical hunger that the people were experiencing there and concerned about their lives and their real bodies but he was also offering something else. Jesus goes on in that same chapter, we're told, to say that he is the bread of life. I am the bread of life. And whoever comes to me and receives this bread will never hunger again and will never thirst. Jesus is offering himself to them in the miracle of the loaves and the fishes. 
but they failed to understand. The people didn't really uh, realize that Jesus was going to a deeper level. And we see that a lot in the Gospel of John, especially that there are multiple things happening in the text. There is uh, the literal thing that is happening for your, before your eyes. And then there is this spiritual depth, this significance, a spiritual message that is taking place underneath it as well. Even Jesus' own disciples didn't understand, but Jesus fed his disciples and he fed his multitude, this multitude with five loaves and two fish. Jesus had a way of doing extraordinary things from ordinary, everyday, common examples. Jesus was able to take something as ordinary as five loaves and two fish and do something extraordinary uh, that was a sign that revealed who he was in the presence of the people that revealed something about who he was and something about the nature of God. Jesus had a special place along uh, the seashore, along the Sea of Galilee or the Sea of Tiberias. And we realized that Jesus encountered so many uh, people in those locations and he healed and touched the lives of so many. But on another occasion, and I believe John is alluding to this in our story this morning, that in Luke's gospel, chapter five, this is the place where Jesus first called his disciples. Jesus has gathered and he is there and he's teaching the crowd and the crowd is pressing in on him. And so he sees two boats and one of the boats belongs to Simon. And Jesus stands into, gets into Simon's boat and he asks him to push out a little way from the shore. And he continues to teach the people about the kingdom of God. And then after he had finished teaching them, he said to Simon, push out further into the deep. And Simon goes out further into the deep and Jesus wants him to cast down his nets. But Simon has, has been fishing all night long, just as in today's gospel lesson. But he obeys, he responds to Jesus's words, he responds to Jesus's command. And he casts out further into the deep and he puts down his net. And when he pulls up the net, they pull up the net. All of a sudden there is a miraculous catch of fish. And there are so many fish that they have to signal this second boat. And together they bring back all these fish to the shore. But what is amazing in this story is uh, not so much that it's this miraculous catch of fish, but that Peter, when he witnesses this, he says to Jesus, go away from me, master. Something in him made him know that he was standing in the presence of something that was greater than he was, and that he, even though he was a fisherman, was out of his depth. He fell on his knees and begged Jesus to go away. But here is another amazing thing that happens. Jesus says to him, do not fear. Do not fear. From this moment on, you will be fishers of men. You will be fishing for people. 
And when they came together, they left everything on the shoreline and they followed Jesus. They became his disciples and they followed him along the way. One of the things that we should see in this is that there was nothing special about Peter. Peter realized that he was someone who was unworthy. He realized that there was uh, nothing about him that was so unique that, that Jesus said, this one, this is the one that I am going to choose to be a follower. And the other disciples, we can say the same thing. There was nothing uniquely gifted about them, but they were ordinary people. And God can also use ordinary people to do extraordinary things, especially those people who are willing to respond to God's call. When God says, push out into the deep, to go out into the deep waters where the waters are choppier, where the waves are strong, where sometimes it seems like we might be swamped and overwhelmed, but still we respond to the voice of God. Still we respond to the voice and the call of Jesus on our lives. Those are the people that God chooses to use, not because they are special, even though all of us have been uniquely created, even though all of us have been knit together and loved by God from our birth and even before our birth, God has loved us. But God can do amazing, extraordinary things for those who, with those who humble themselves and allow themselves to be used by God. But then we come to today's story. Jesus is once again on the Sea of Galilee on the beach, and the disciples, seven of them, are out fishing. It was actually Peter's idea. Peter, the one who was to be the leader of this group, Peter is out there, and he says, I'm going fishing. And the other said, we're going with you. And I love this story because, you know, uh, we're told that there are seven. We don't know what happened to the other disciples, but they're out there. And, and John names five of them and two of them, he just says, and there were two others. It's kind of like they got, you know, the treatment from uh, Gilligan's Island. You know, in, in the early episodes, uh, there was, uh, you know, Gilligan and the skipper and all these, and then they said, and the rest. You know, there, there's not so many that you can't name them. Just tell us their name. And later on, they, they, they gave us their names and, and they included. I, I'm betting there was a tax collector in that group and not just fishermen. And I'll explain why uh, in just a minute or two. But they have gone fishing. They have lost their way. Something has happened between this last resurrection experience of Jesus, when Jesus breathed on them and said, peace be with you, and breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. But here they are, they're all fishing, and they're not fishing for people, they're fishing for fish. Now, here's what uh, I want to point out. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but in the Gospels, even though many of Jesus' followers are professional fishermen, none of them ever catch a fish without Jesus' help. (laughs) That's pretty, pretty amazing when we think about it. 
You know, there's a passage that says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And I guess their fishing business was a bust without Jesus. But on this day, Jesus is there once again at daybreak. And he cries out to them, children, have you no fish? Actually, he says, you have no fish, have you? (laughs) He knows that they have fished all night long and they have caught nothing. And instead of saying, push out into the deep, he says to them, cast your net on the other side. And they responded. They cast their net on the other side, and the net was filled with fish. And someone, the beloved disciple says, it is the Lord. Now, Peter gets so excited, and I'm glad that, that um, uh, Elaine read the text the way that she did because people try to cover it up. Peter was naked, and I almost called the sermon Naked Peter, but I decided not, not, to, not to go there. But Pete, Peter is, is naked, but then he puts on clothes before he jumps in the water. <laughs> And then he begins to swim to the shore while the others bring the nets to the shore full of fish. And somebody had to count. You know, they have this miraculous experience and somebody's there, one fish, two fish, (laughs) three fish, four fish. Somebody's there counting the fish. I believe it was a tax collector that was counting the fish. But they are there. They have lost their way. And Jesus encounters them along the side side of the sea, and he calls them, and he has before them a meal that he has prepared, a meal of loaves and a meal of fish. And as they are there, they are sitting by a charcoal fire. John is very uh, intentional when he tells us that they are sitting by a charcoal fire, There's a reason, I believe, there's a reason. Because Peter maybe had begun to lose his way, not just after the resurrection, but well before when the disciples were gathered with Jesus and they had eaten their meal and Jesus got up from the table and he began to wash his disciples' feet. And Peter objected. Peter said, not I, you will never wash my feet, Lord. And Jesus said, unless I wash you, you will have no part of me. Peter says, well, not just my feet, but my head also. He's losing his way. He's losing his way because he cannot fathom that Jesus would wash his disciples' feet. That a servant, that is something that a servant does for the master, not the other way around. But Jesus is teaching him what it means to be a disciple that those who are his followers would be servants of all, and that those who would be greatest would truly, truly serve. And so Jesus said, I have set an example for you that you should wash one another's feet. But Peter is losing his way. And then Jesus uh, begins to predict his betrayal and his denial. And when he does, When he does, it is Peter that says, though others may forsake you, I will never deny you. I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus looked at Peter and he said, will you? Will you lay down your life for me? 
Truly I tell you, before the cock crows three times, you will have denied me. And on that night, by a charcoal fire, the beloved disciple and Jesus are standing there as the guards who have arrested Jesus are warming themselves by a fire. And there is Peter. And as he's going in with this beloved disciple of Jesus, one of the guards, one of the servants says to him, you are one of Jesus' followers, aren't you? And Peter says, I am not. He denies Jesus for the first time. And again, he's standing by a charcoal fire with the guards and someone else comes and says, surely you're one of his followers. And in the Gospel of Luke, it says, because your accent betrays you, we know that you're one of his followers. And he says, I am not. And then there is a servant a servant of the high priest, the very servant whose ear uh, Peter had, uh, a relative of the servant whose ear Peter had cut off, who says, I know that you are one of his disciples. You were with him in the garden. Peter denies Jesus a third time, and the cock crows immediately. And here they are once again by a charcoal fire. And Jesus looks at Peter and he says to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Feed my sheep. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Feed my sheep. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Tend my lambs. Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter is hurt. On this third time, when Jesus asks him, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Then feed my lambs. Three times, Peter had denied Jesus. Three times. And now Jesus calls Peter three times to proclaim and to profess his love for him yet again. Do you love me? Jesus had told them that it was uh, to be a disciple that you needed to be able to serve one another. Jesus had told them that to be a disciple that you should love one another as I have loved you. And now here he is giving Peter the love test. This is the test for all of us as disciples. We can proclaim it with our lips that we are followers of Jesus. We can say, I will go with you and that though all others deny you, I will never deny you. I will never betray you. We can say all of those things. But the real test is our love for God and our willingness to serve and love others. Do you love me more than these? Do you love me? Do you love me? We love not only in word, but we love through our actions. God uses ordinary things to do extraordinary things. And God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And God uses even ordinary broken people to do extraordinary things. To take that message of God's love and God's grace and God's power out into the world to be vessels 
of the good news of Jesus Christ. So often we think that God cannot use us, that our gifts are meager, that our gifts are small. We need only look at the boy with five loaves and two fish. We need only look at a fisherman who may have been good at his trade or maybe he wasn't so good, but allowed God to use him to share the good news of Christ with others. One of the things that I've experienced in the church is that some of the most gifted people are humble and oftentimes do not recognize the gifts that they have that can be used by God. Someone will say, you know, I I don't have any gifts, but I'm good with children. What an opportunity to participate in children's ministry. Somebody says, you know, I don't know the Bible backwards and forwards like other people do, you know, but sometimes I'm, I'm good at organizing. What an opportunity to help the church see the bigger picture to organize us so that we are more efficient and effective in the ways that we reach out to our community with the love and grace of God. No matter who you are, no matter how insignificant you think your gifts are, no matter how unimportant you may feel, if you put what you have in the master's hands, you will understand that God can do extraordinary things, exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or imagine. God uses us, ordinary people, to share the good news. Let us be about the business of going forth in the name and in the power and the spirit of God as he has sent us, as he sent Christ, as he sent the apostles. So he chooses to send us. He chooses to send you. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Gary Church Podcast. If you would do us a favor by rating and reviewing us on the application you are using, it would be a huge help. Also, share our podcast with a friend. Thank you so much. And now receive this blessing. May the love of God the Father, the grace of God the Son, and the power of God the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. Amen. Amen.